last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I truly believe that you can get by for a long time on elite abilities and requisite or better than requisite athleticism. And can you imagine if your dad was one of these goonish Twitter trolls? And fantasy football is a plague on American productivity. And do you want this to be a monologue show where you just talk into my headset and I say every word? Do you want to be on this show with me? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Field Goals Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew and give me a thumbs up, but you can't see him. Matt Kelly, you can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. What's up, Matt? I'm giving you the thumbs up to do the told you so radio segment. Do you enjoy told you so radio, Nate? I love told you so radio, but from talking to you off air, I feel like you love it even more than I do. I used to hate it. One of my perpetual laments was told you so radio. I criticize radio hosts, podcast hosts for being self-indulgent and droning on with look at me commentary. And then something started happening. I started to be right about some things. <laughs> and it felt really good. And I couldn't help myself. I'm sitting in front of this microphone and I'm swelling with pride and I just have to let you know how <laughs> how proud I am of me. <laughs> It was definitely an I told you so, and the reason we're saying this, we're actually recording a little earlier than normal, but the advantage of recording today on Friday is that Le'Veon Bell was just suspended for games for missing a drug test. Is that correct? He skipped it. So he skipped his drug test. So like we said a couple of weeks ago on the Sonic Truth episode, Le'Veon Bell, where there is smoke, there is fire. We warned people about his previous transgressions and the off the field stuff and the tweets and all this all these things to be worried about. And there was a tweet that came out from a Pittsburgh Steelers beat reporter who had mentioned that there was a failed drug test or a skip drug test or something, and it sort of died down. And sure enough, here it is resurfacing, and Lev Bell is suspended yet again. We were the only ones telling you, avoid Le'Veon Bell in Dynasty. It's actually Le'Veon. We've been going back and forth. Is it Le'Veon? Is it Le'Veon? The listeners had the last laugh when it came to our pronunciation of Le'Veon Bell. It's actually Lay, not Le. I'm going to type it phonetically up here. I'm going to type the word Lay, then V, then on, and I will never mess it up again. I was sent taped broadcasts from Michigan State to prove that it's Le'Veon, not Le'Veon. So that's the anti-told-you-so radio. This is admitting I was wrong radio. I prefer told-you-so radio to admitting I was wrong radio. <laughs> told-you-so radio much better than I was wrong radio. I don't like I was wrong radio. You'll hear precious little I was wrong radio on the Sonic Truth podcast. You can contact the show if we mispronounce other names at Sonic Truth Pod on Twitter or email us sonictruthpod at gmail.com. 
we were the only Dynasty League analysts with Le'Veon Bell outside our top three running backs. And we told you why he was the riskiest running back in all of fantasy with two towering pillars of risk. Consecutive severe knee injuries on one side and league rules violations on the other side. That was too much risk to justify drafting Le'Veon Bell in Dynasty Leagues. And as always, you can see my Dynasty rankings. Playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings where you can see the most prescient rankings of players in the fantasy football world. And that's the I told you so. We definitely spent a long time beating down Le'Veon Bell for the stuff that he's done in the past. But let's go forward on this a little bit. Let's talk a little deeper into this subject. I Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the next suspension for Le'Veon Bell will end up being a season-long ban. People don't know what's going on. I'm looking at Matt right now. He's making weird faces and smelling his armpits. How's it going? I'm sweating. Fair enough. Um, so right. So if you're a bell owner, you're, you're one violation away from a season long suspension. His value has already taken a hit now because now he's more hands off to the people who are saying, Oh, whatever. He won't get in trouble again. Now he's gotten trouble again and one more and it's a season long ban. We're sort of looking at the Josh Gordon type thing here. But I think what this really means with the Le'Veon Bell suspension is that Antonio Brown could potentially have an even better season than he had last year, which is crazy to even think. And Sammy Coates, without Martavis Bryant, has an enormous opportunity entering 2016. But still lurking in the shadows, and we talked about him probably on the first episode of this podcast, may have been the first or the second episode, Marcus Wheaton, still the dark horse on this roster, definite wide receiver two potential. Yes. I went to DLF today. I said, Nate, you got to go check what is his current ADP. It was a hot topic on the last episode. Matt almost fell out of his seat talking about Larry Fitzgerald and Vincent Jackson. Oh, no. This will be worse than those. Matt, if you had to guess what his July ADP is overall, what would you guess Marcus Wheaton's ADP is? 125, 10th round. Very close. 118. He's going as the wide receiver 58. That makes sense. Dynasty owners do a very bad job of calculating near-term opportunity and situation. So often, fantasy analysts look at a player in a vacuum, judge him based on their perception of his intrinsic qualities, and move on. Marcus Whedon is actually athletic, and he was an above-average college producer. 126.194th percentile Spark X score and a 36.0% college dominator rating. His best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is a very fair Greg Jennings comp. And now Marcus Whedon is going to dominate the targets close to the line of scrimmage with Le'Veon Bell missing four games. But there's additional risk that Le'Veon Bell will be suspended for the full season because he has to continue to take tests and pass tests leading up to week five. The risk factors with Le'Veon Bell are now in an unsustainable place. Le'Veon Bell has lost his innocence with Dynasty Leaguers just like Josh Gordon. This happens. This happens too late. 
too often. We instill so much hope in these players with off-the-field problems. And so often, the inevitable happens. Someone who's addicted to drugs and alcohol continues to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. Or someone that's not interested in football displays behavior of someone who is disenchanted by the sport of football. And all we do is sit here in front of a microphone and state the obvious that Le'Veon Bell is many times more risky than Todd Gurley and David Johnson and even Mark Ingram. But his owners had to lose their innocence. I lost my innocence with Josh Gordon. I was a Josh Gordon owner when he was suspended for a full year. That's one of the reasons why I have been strident on this show about avoiding players from Martavis Bryant to Le'Veon Bell because I've read this story before. I know how it ends! (laughs) I've read the story! I've already read it! This is not a surprise! We know how this ends! This isn't a new book! This wasn't just released! And speaking of lost innocence, I have to tell you, yesterday, I want to tell you about something that happened to me yesterday. I was at a deli with my daughter, waiting for our sandwiches to be made. We set up our table with our drinks and chips. Went back to the counter, waiting for the sandwiches to be ready. Grabbed the sandwiches, went back to the table. A bag of chips was missing from the table. My daughter said, Dad, where's my chips? And I said, I don't know, Vivian. I don't know where your chips are. That's weird. They vanished. And at that moment, like in slow motion, I turned my head to the left and there were two older women sitting down for lunch, probably in their mid 60s. And one of them had my daughter's bag of chips and I was enraged, rage. My entire face was pulsating. Every blood vessel was on the verge of exploding. But I took a breath. I gathered myself. I calmly walked over. I said, were those chips on this table? And the woman immediately started stammering. Um, well, I thought they were my friend's chips. So I brought them (laughs) and I just, my mouth was agape. I wasn't going to argue with her and utter the obvious follow-up. Well, then why are you about to open them if they're your friend's chips? I just reached over, snatched them out of her hand, turned around, placed them next to my daughter, sat down, and started eating. And pretended like that event didn't happen. And immediately started talking to my daughter about the beach. We were heading to the beach. We were going to have a fun afternoon. And five minutes later, after we'd already talked about multiple topics, my daughter looks up quizzically and says, Why did that woman take my chips? And her expression was so confused and bewildered, Nate. And at that moment, I realized, you've never seen this side of humanity. You've never seen someone callously take something away from someone else. Sure, I'm sure in your class, one of your classmates took your marker and started using it, and the teacher told the classmate to give it back to you. That happens all the time. But this kind of outright theft She'd never experienced it. And having never experienced it, she was not soaked in rage like I was. She was simply confused. What is this strange behavior? Why would someone take my chips? And at that point, I became even more enraged because I realized, my God, these old women 
have taken my daughter's innocence. This is when it starts. This is how it starts to get chipped away. This is how individuals become disillusioned. Wow. This is why people are paranoid. This, right here, this, this moment. Get your own damn bag of chips, you bag. No, I know how it goes, too. We have daughters that are relatively the same age in that five-year-old group. And, yeah, I don't honestly think my daughter's ever seen anything like that either. So it's got to be even worse experiencing it real time, seeing it on her face and sort of that first taste of, like you said, just raw theft. Someone she doesn't know where raw, unadulterated immorality in my face. Totally. That, yeah, no, I know. I've, I haven't experienced that directly, but especially having a daughter where they're, you know, I haven't had a son, but they're a lot softer. So it's just something you really wish that you hadn't been there for. At least me. I don't know if I would have wanted to see it personally. That's a tough one to go through. So I had to explain to her that sometimes human beings make bad choices and I just couldn't help myself. I started raising my voice. (laughs) Were the women still next to you? Yes. I said, yes, Vivian. It's true. Sometimes old, pathetic women in delis are thieves. <laughs> that would have been great. Uh. And then I just stole a furtive glance in their direction. Look back. <laughs> jerks. <laughs> Speaking of jerks, we are no longer receiving the one-star reviews on iTunes. Mm. I don't know what happened. After the incessant UTH uth attacks by this podcast... The Uth Army retreated, and we no longer received one-star reviews from users named T-Torch. I wonder where that came from. Never heard that name before. One star from T-Torch with the comment, stay in your lane. If you go look at the Under the Helmet iTunes review, there's a one star from a guy named Outrage Jew, so... You really did that? No, I didn't do that. I'm going to do that, though. You're backpedaling now, but I bet you did that. You would be that guy out of spite would just go drop a one-star review flaming bag of dog shit on their porch. You're that guy, aren't you? I am that guy. I've told you I'm the guy that goes into the mock drafts and selects a kicker in the first round. You know I'm that guy. You are a spiteful man, Uh Nateless. Thank you. But but I was thinking about UTH in the context of Le'Veon Bell. The UTH player valuation methodology does not attempt to quantify off-the-field issues. In fact, their philosophy is we can't judge these players off the field. We can't know who takes care of their body well and who takes care of their body poorly. We can't assume to know who's more likely to fail a test a year from now. So we're just not going to factor it into our generic projection formula. And then what happens? Well, Le'Veon Bell gets slotted in at the number one position on the Dynasty running back rankings, and that position is inaccurate. We ranked Le'Veon Bell outside the top three, and we have been validated because we are discerning about how players take care of their bodies, how players age, how players conduct themselves off the football field, because that matters. I do not agree with the NFL's substance abuse policies. Of course not. 
Anyone that understands addiction knows that what Martavis Bryant is dealing with is not something that you should be punishing. You should be treating it like a disease. So I fundamentally disagree with the policy, but the policy is the policy. The NFL sets the rules of the road. We have to drive on it. And if we are driving on a road with these rules, then we cannot in good conscience rank Le'Veon Bell in the number one position on our running back rankings. The one thing I want to add about that, when you look at the people and the situations that they're in and trying to make it better for them, it's like when the NFL said that Josh Gordon couldn't come around the facility in his downtime. What good is it to keep this player away from the team? You know, better to have him around the practice field, around the players, around the playbook. You know, it's opportunity to get into more trouble. But Le'Veon Bell is just a total screw up. So back to you, Matt. And that's the kind of analysis that Doug Veach used to bring to the Uth broadcast. Doug Veach was an integral component to the show because he would bring in real life analysis, a rational understanding about how players play the game and how they behave off the field and how that impacts their dynasty value. Doug Veach was a critical part of that show because he brought balance. He was the one that stepped out of the generic projection formula and he would give you the real talk when you needed it in situations like this with Le'Veon Bell. And now, Uth is without Doug Veach. Now they have T-Torch and a bunch of other guys. Whoever the guy was that bombed our iTunes review. Whoever this T-Torch person is, apparently he's now on the show. And he's not as good as Doug Veach because Doug Veach was their glue guy. And without Doug Veach, I think the Uth podcast is going to go away. In fact, I think the show is finished and they don't even know it. It's like the sixth sense. I see dead podcasters walking around like regular podcasters, Nate. (laughs) They don't know they're dead. (laughs) I don't know. I haven't listened to the show in a really long time. And we're getting questions. Is Le'Veon Bell dead? He's not dead. Still going to rank Le'Veon Bell in my rankings, but I'm not simply going to subtract four games from the projection, recalibrate it, and put him back in the top five. No, that's not how it works. It's not just four games that he's missing. He's now at risk of missing an entire year with his next failed test. And the skipped test earlier this year gives him a higher likelihood of failing another test in the future. This is a self-perpetuating feedback loop that Le'Veon Bell is now trapped in. But no, he is not dead. Neither is Carlos Williams, who recently failed the test and will be missing four games. But like Carlos Williams, I will be moving Le'Veon Bell more dramatically down my rankings than most Dynasty analysts. But it seems that dynasty analysts are so arbitrary with their measurements of risk. Le'Veon Bell gets moved down two or three slots. Carlos Williams is degraded 50 positions. How does that work? Carlos Williams had the munchies. He said he was empathizing with his wife's pregnancy. That's not true. He just had the munchies. That's it. Le'Veon Bell was partying with Snoop Doggy Dog. That's how that happened. 
Which is worse? I don't know, but I'm going to treat them consistently, not arbitrarily, based on my own hopes and dreams for that player. Le'Veon Bell's dynasty value has been buoyed and will continue to be buoyed by a nostalgic fantasy wanting. Everyone, me included, want Le'Veon Bell to be 2014 Le'Veon Bell again, and we get super emotional about it. We're blinded by the fleeting hope that Le'Veon Bell could be Ladanian Tomlinson's heir. I had Scott Fish on the Football Diehards podcast. Go to iTunes, search for Football Diehards with Matt Kelly. Subscribe to that show. And Scott Fish told me that he's a card-carrying backaholic. He spoke longingly of his Dynasty League teams that included Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders. Fantasy footballers want fantasy football teams with stud running backs. And Le'Veon Bell personifies the stud running back in today's NFL. And that leads to this fantasy wanting that arbitrarily bolsters Le'Veon Bell's dynasty stock. So if you own him, you can still sell him at a reasonable price. And you should be selling him because his risk factors have only been amplified. But you shouldn't sell Carlos Williams because Carlos Williams' dynasty value value evaporated the moment his suspension was announced. Le'Veon Bell's value is still strong. I like Carlos Williams and I'm targeting him because in a small sample size last season, he was the most productive running back in the NFL. He vultured every touchdown from LaShawn McCoy because they would dump it off to Carlos Williams or hand it off to him on the 18-yard line, and he would bowl over a defender and sprint away from another for a touchdown. Carlos Williams has an upper 90th percentile speed score and soft hands. He's the type of running back I am always targeting. The big, fast player with great hands who's nifty in space. That's what Carlos Williams is. That's what you see on his profile on playerprofiler.com. And that's the play he demonstrated last year with the Buffalo Bills. But what is going on in Buffalo? Right after Carlos Williams' suspension was announced, soon after, it was announced that Jonathan Williams was arrested for drunk driving. After LaShawn McCoy was arrested for assaulting an off-duty police officer. Buffalo is the Sodom and Gomorrah of the NFL. <laughs> And with all of these backup running backs falling to the wayside, what does that mean? It means LaShawn McCoy could easily lead the NFL in carries in 2016. He becomes a tremendous value. Everyone in Dynasty Leagues thinks of LaShawn McCoy like they think of Matt Forte, but he's two years younger than Matt Forte. He's only 28 years old. There's plenty of juice left in LaShawn McCoy's legs, and don't be surprised if he posts a retro LaShawn McCoy top five running back year in fantasy football this year because LaShawn McCoy is going to get huge volume on one of the few remaining teams that emphasizes the run more than the pass. And then he benefits from the Alfred Morris corollary. Running backs are more efficient when they're tethered to running quarterbacks who can keep linebackers occupied. LaShawn McCoy is in the ideal fantasy workhorse situation in Buffalo this season, and he is a buy in all formats. And if you can't get your hands on LaShawn McCoy and you can't buy Carlos Williams for five cents on the dollar, 
then you should be targeting Jonathan Williams. Because Jonathan Williams is similar to Carlos Williams in that he, too, is big and nifty. But unlike Carlos Williams, Jonathan Williams isn't that great in the past game, but he's actually more agile and a better between-the-tackles runner than Carlos Williams. Even though Carlos Williams is big and fast and LaShawn McCoy is small and quick, they're more redundant than people think. Carlos Williams, like LaShawn McCoy, operates better outside the tackles and in the passing game. On the other hand, Jonathan Williams is a more unique asset on that team. He's a great between-the-tackles runner, and he has excellent size-adjusted agility. Jonathan Williams' 1126 agility score is 55th percentile. And when you think about the fact that he's 220 pounds, someone that agile and that big is going to be very difficult to stop in running situations at the goal line. That's where Jonathan Williams is going to score his fantasy points. Don't be surprised if Jonathan Williams has five to six touchdowns this year. I thought Jonathan Williams would score more touchdowns than Carlos Williams in 2016 before the suspension to Carlos Williams because I think Jonathan Williams is a better complement to LaShawn McCoy than Carlos Williams. What Carlos Williams' suspension affords us is another year of keeping Carlos Williams on your taxi squad. You don't need to worry about promoting him. You don't need to worry about starting him. You should be holding on to Carlos Williams because he has that fantastic ceiling because he has the traits of the big, fast, pass-catching running back. He is the running back unicorn we are always hunting. So don't trade him for five cents on the dollar. Keep him parked on your taxi squad. And the fact that he will probably have a very small role in 2016 allows his dynasty owners the luxury of just forgetting he exists. Don't worry about him. Keep him parked there and seek out running backs elsewhere. The other running back that you could potentially seek out on Buffalo is Mike Gillisley. I picked up Mike Gillisley. Mike Gillisley is officially the fastest running back on the Buffalo Bills roster who's not suspended. He runs a 4-5-5, 58th percentile. His burst score, his agility score, they're all under the 25th percentile. His 6th percentile Spark X score on playerprofiler.com is Devontae Freeman low. But he was a mega producer at Florida. The idea that a running back could produce a 30% plus dominator rating in the SEC, that's noteworthy. I know his yards per carry were well below average. I know he has a late breakout age. There's not a lot to like on the Mike Gillisley profile, but he has opportunity in Buffalo if something happens to LaShawn McCoy. He's only 25 years old and He's a fast player who has a history of productivity, and he also has passing game skills. So if LaShawn McCoy goes down in week one, what's going to happen? It's going to become a committee with Jonathan Williams handling the early down work and Mike Gillisley getting all the passing down work and the two-minute drill opportunities. What do you think of this Buffalo running back situation, the Sodom and Gomorrah up north? Well, I think it's a nightmare up and down. Um, I'm a big fan of Carlos Williams. Obviously, you're a fan of Carlos Williams as well. He's just got exceptional speed for his size, and what he did in 2015 was pretty incredible. 
And I was thinking about this, too. I know that we tagged Thomas Rawls with the small sample size, and Carlos Williams had an even smaller sample size. But in the passing game, that's where Carlos Williams' chops are just really incredible. I was looking at the Buffalo Bills' adjusted yards per attempt to receivers, and Carlos Williams was right behind Sammy Watkins at 9.7. So in the passing game, he's a super efficient player. I totally agree with your take on Jonathan Williams in the terms of him being a more unique asset to this team, a better complementary piece to LaShawn McCoy. However, I feel like if Carlos Williams was ever given the opportunity to have the feature role, which he did at times last year, oh, yeah. he's an exceptional player. That's what so, you want. Ideally, if something happens to LaShawn McCoy, best case scenario is Buffalo says, Carlos Williams, you're our every down bell cow. Then he becomes David Johnson. Wow. Yeah. No, that's a great that's a great take, too. And I think a lot of people don't see Carlos Williams in that light, but it's it's entirely possible. But here's the one thing we know that's a fact. Carlos Williams will miss the first four games of 2016. I believe Jonathan Williams will miss one game for his DUI. No, the substance abuse violation for Carlos Williams is going into effect this season. And I believe it ethers his fantasy stock because it gives Jonathan Williams an opportunity to carve out a role. And then by week five, if Jonathan Williams and LaShawn McCoy are healthy, I don't believe Carlos Williams will have a role. So this was really, really bad timing for a suspension on the Carlos Williams career arc. And the reason why Jonathan Williams will have an opportunity to carve out a between the tackles grinder role right away is because the NFL is reluctant to punish players for DUIs, especially until the conclusion of the legal proceedings. And the lawyers for the players know this. So they typically submit motions to push back the hearings involved with these cases. So what you'll probably see happen is the case gets resolved over the winter and then Jonathan Williams serves a suspension in 2017. And Lev Belt, he was suspended for a DUI in the past in 2015. It's hard to keep track of Le'Veon Bell's <laughs> rules violations. It is because the DUI suspension doesn't count against his drug suspension. So it's muddled. Does the DUI suspension count against him for the next drug suspension? I don't have all the answers about how the NFL handles these cases, but I can tell you it's not good. It's not a problem you want to be having with your dynasty RB1. And I think one thing that we didn't bring up, I mean, you, you touched on this, but when it comes to selling Le'Veon Bell or selling Carlos Williams or any of these guys, it, this doesn't need to be stated, but I'm going to say it anyways. Obviously, they have more value when they return to the field. You know they'll produce. You know these are good players. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen as much of Carlos, but Le'Veon Bell's value right now, this minute, with this suspension, isn't nearly what it could be if he comes back week five, has a great game, week six has a great game reestablishes that recency bias of him being this elite talent on the field. People kind of push back on these transgressions he's been in trouble for, and you could flip him then for more than you can flip him for right now. Oh, no, if this is your first time listening to the show and you somehow, some way, own Le'Veon Bell in a dynasty league, or you just hate listening to the show and you listen to it to do the opposite of the things we advise, <laughs> either way, if you own Le'Veon Bell, you should not be trading him now. This is not the time to trade him. This is the time to sit on him, just like you should be sitting on Carlos Williams. 
you also should not be trading Austin Safarian Jenkins, who has also had a challenging preseason. But Austin Safarian Jenkins didn't violate any league rules. All he did was send a cryptic tweet after getting kicked out of practice. It's not a good idea to get kicked out of practice. That's never a good thing. But Austin Safarian Jenkins is absolutely a buy right now. You should be trying to acquire Austin Safarian Jenkins in the wake of his incident during OTAs. He's young. He's 23 years old. He got frustrated during a practice. He threw his helmet on the ground and he stormed off like a petulant child, not a professional. It wasn't professional behavior, but it wasn't a reason to banish the player forever either. And it illustrates the wrong-headed motivational techniques and a fundamental misunderstanding of human behavior that is inherent in so many of these Neanderthal coaches. So many coaches fail to get through to their players because they treat their players like they would treat a dog. These players are not animals. They're human beings. And constantly bullying them is rarely the optimal way to get that athlete to perform at the peak of his abilities. As in any profession, a leader should implement a mix of positive and negative reinforcement, predominantly positive reinforcement. But so many NFL coaches have their priorities flipped where they emphasize the negative reinforcement. And I think that's what's happening with Austin Safarian Jenkins. He's tethered to the wrong coaching staff. They don't know how to get through to him. It reminds me of Marshawn Lynch in Buffalo. They didn't know how to talk to Marshawn Lynch. They didn't know how to inspire him to get the most out of his ability. Then he went to Seattle and a coach connected with him because his coach empathized with him and discovered what's important to Marshawn Lynch. And only then can the coach pull the correct motivational levers, as Pete Carroll did, to unlock the potential of an all-pro. Austin Safarian Jenkins should be an all-pro in the NFL. I'm just not sure it's going to happen in Tampa Bay. And with that being said, if you look at his current ADP right now, ASJ is number 131 overall, tight end 15. He's currently going after Dwayne Allen just before Hunter Henry. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Dynasty leaguers are drafting the most overrated tight end in football, Dwayne Allen, before Austin Safarian Jenkins, one of the best tight end prospects in the NFL. That's a fact. Dwayne Allen's ADP, 128. You've got Gary Barnage, Jimmy Graham, both going before Austin Safarian Jenkins. Gary Barnage is going before Austin Safarian Jenkins? Yep, 125. The 31-year-old one-hit wonder Gary Barnage and the no-hit wonder Dwayne Allen are both being drafted before Austin fucking Safarian Jenkins? What the hell is wrong with you people? You perceive a player walking off the practice field as riskier than the running back with consecutive major knee injuries and multiple NFL rules violations on his resume. That's just perfect. Now, that's perfect. That is just so Dynasty League. 
That is just so Dynasty League. We cannot get through a show without me feeling embarrassed to be a part of this community. So many wrong-headed players swimming in bad analysis. Does it feel like ASJ's sort of perception right now in the dynasty world is is by low i don't hear much about him i don't hear a lot of buzz he almost feels like an add-in to some sorts of deals and i agree with you there's so much talent here and what his adp is and his overall rank i feel like you could swap out a tight end that you're marginally impressed by and make a deal to get a guy like asj on your roster because his upside is so great I recently received Austin Safarian Jenkins as compensation for allowing someone to move up three spots in the draft. That's exactly what I'm talking about. What a devaluation. Go ahead and monumentally discount the best tight end prospect to enter the NFL since Tyler Eifert. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead. One of the best combinations of size, athleticism, and college production in the NFL today. Go ahead. Go ahead and mark that asset down and put him in the clearance bin. Go ahead, because I'll just buy all of them. I would also caution people when it comes to buying ASJ, since I am very, very confident that Vincent Jackson will get his 150 targets. I don't know what his target share will be this year. It could be limited. Right, right, right. So we got a buzzard email, Matt. Uh Uh-oh. I don't know if this will calm you down or fire you up even more. Oh, no. Um, This is in regards to something that was said last week on the show. And here's how it reads. You can contact the show on Twitter at SonicTruthPod. You can find us at our email at gmail.com. Here's how the buzzard letter goes. Wayne or Dwayne, great topic last week. Here's a question for you, though, Matt. Rob Gronkowski, is he a Wayne or is he a Dwayne? Ooh. 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 Do we have any Sonic Truth t-shirts? I guess we could. I could hand make one. I could sketch one. This buzzer deserves a Sonic Truth t-shirt. That is the best question we've received in the history of the show. And it makes perfect sense that I'm the one that wrote it. I was going to ask for your home address to send you that t-shirt t-shirt rob gronkowski is he a wayne or is he a Dwayne? on the last show we talked about how players age and how players take care of their bodies you could be like Dwayne bow or you could be like reggie wayne play until you're 36 and be productive play until you're 29 and flame out you decide the wide receiver does get to decide that they can decide to go to larry fitzgerald's wide receiver camps every offseason or they can sit at the house and play video games it's their decision but if they're sitting at the house and playing video games all off season, they won't be in the league at age 33. That's a Dwayne. And Rob Gronkowski is absolutely a Dwayne. Think about it objectively. What is Rob Gronkowski all about? Rob Gronkowski is all about having a good time. That's what Dwaynes are all about. Having a good time. And when it's convenient, I'll practice football if I can fit it in. I can't practice tomorrow. I have a party cruise scheduled with my brothers. But maybe when I get back. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to wake up in the morning at 6.30 and do crunches before I start drinking. In fact, I'll have a screwdriver while I'm doing (laughs) push-ups in Vegas. That's what I'll do. I'll order room service. Rob Gronkowski has said something to this effect, that he likes to drink vodka with water because it allows him to get drunk and stay hydrated. He said that out loud with no sense of irony. Any other player says this, warning bells go off across football and in the Dynasty League community, but not this case. No. 
Look at Rob Gronkowski next to Austin Safarian Jenkins. Austin Safarian Jenkins walks off the field frustrated during a voluntary minicamp practice, and he is belittled on social media. Rob Gronkowski posts a video on his own Instagram where he's surrounded by strippers pouring bottles of vodka in his mouth while he's holding sparklers. <laughs> and that's just a Tuesday for Rob Gronkowski. No one thinks anything of it. How has Rob Gronkowski carved out this space for himself? I can only imagine what Josh Gordon or Justin Blackman or Austin Safarian Jenkins are thinking when they're sitting at home watching Rob Gronkowski's antics. Because it's not going to last forever. It never does. We all know a Rob Gronkowski. The guy you go to Vegas with who's up at 6.30 eating breakfast as if he didn't drink a drop the night before. Everyone has that bulletproof friend who seems indestructible, who can drink everyone else under the table, can put any substance in their body and bounce back the next day like clockwork. The people around Rob Gronkowski see him as that guy. We all know that guy. We've all been to Vegas with that guy. That guy is awesome. Who doesn't love that guy? I love that guy. I love Rob Gronkowski. I own a Rob Gronkowski jersey. My daughter's favorite player is Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski is one of my favorite players. But I'm also objective. I'm also a realist. And I've also seen how substance abuse can lay even the superstar of the superstars low. Rock stars. The immortal rock gods. Drinking a handle of Jack Daniels a night and thinking nothing of it. The athletes like Rob Gronkowski drinking vodka and water to stay hydrated. This can continue for years, but it can't continue forever. And nobody knows when the person will cross the Rubicon. Justin Blackman crossed it at age 24. Keith Richards has crossed it multiple times and decided, I'm fine with it. I'm just going to keep crossing it. It's inevitable. What you're looking at with Rob Gronkowski is inevitability. No one with this lifestyle comes out on the other end unscathed. Drugs and alcohol are undefeated in the course of human history. And not even the mythical Rob Gronkowski vodka centaur is going to beat the odds. Three years from now, on the New England Patriots roster, what do you foresee at the tight end position? I don't see Rob Gronkowski on the team. Wait, what? I believe at some point in the next three years, the Rob Gronkowski party bus is going to crash. And I do not know how severe the incident will be. What I do know is so far, Rob Gronkowski has suffered a strained hip, a fractured forearm, twice a herniated disc that required lumbar disectomy and cost him seven games. A strained hamstring, a torn ACL and MCL, perpetual knee soreness, and then another major knee sprain last season. And he's only 27. And he's responded to that medical history by jumping up and down on stage with Daft Punk downing bottles of vodka. <laughs> 
On the other hand, Martellus Bennett, who is two years older than Rob Gronkowski, has been the anti-Rob Gronkowski off the field. In the last four seasons, Martellus Bennett has experienced fractured ribs, a quadriceps sprain, and a knee sprain. So his medical history is relatively clean. Rob Gronkowski's is a minefield. Martellus Bennett has no off-the-field incidents on his resume and is known to be gregarious with an exceptional work ethic. He and his brother working out all the time off the field when they're not at charity events. That's who Martellus Bennett is off the field. Very different players. Yet most people look at Martellus Bennett and they see an aging tight end with a couple good years left and they see Rob Gronkowski as the best tight end of all time at the peak of his powers. I don't see it that way necessarily. I see Martellus Bennett aging gracefully and I see Rob Gronkowski crashing. In three years, I believe the starting tight end for the New England Patriots will not be Rob Gronkowski. He will be out of the league. It will be Martellus Bennett. Dude, in three years, I don't even know if I'll be alive. I don't care. You can't. What are you going to do? Is someone going to bring this back up to me in three years? Tony Gonzalez didn't make it as far as he did on accident. By accident. No, I mean, I'm there. Isn't it by accident? What do you mean on accident? Isn't it by accident? Yeah, I guess by accident would be right. Are we still recording? So, motherfuckers, uh, continue to doubt me. We all know that guy. We've all been to Vegas with that guy. That guy is awesome. And Rob Gronkowski is absolutely a Dwayne. Right. Continue to doubt me. We cannot get through a show without me feeling embarrassed to be a part of this community. Buffalo is the Sodom and Gomorrah of the NFL. (laughs) Carlos Williams had the munchies. He said he was empathizing with his wife's pregnancy. That's not true. He just had the munchies. That's it. Right. Continue to doubt me. You are a spiteful man. Thank you. And one of them had my daughter's bag of chips. And I was enraged. My entire face was pulsating. I said, sorry, Vivian. Sometimes... Right. Continue to doubt me because I've read this story before. I know how it ends. I've read the story. I've already read it. This is not a surprise. We know how this ends. This isn't a new book. But when you see Rob Gronkowski downing two bottles of vodka covered in strippers, no one blinks an eye. If there's ever something that I'm willing to do twice, it's the told you so show. <laughs> Can you try to... I just did a big lip smack. Can you take out that lip smack? You would be that guy, out of spite, would just go drop a one-star review flaming bag of dog shit on their porch. One-hit wonder Gary Barnage and the no-hit wonder Dwayne Allen are both being drafted before Austin fucking Safarian Jenkins...
Right. Continue to doubt me. 